Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. On Thanksgiving evening, I asked my son Henry what I should preach about today. He said, without hesitation, the egg bowl. I replied, really? It is unwise for the preacher to aggravate tender feelings. At least he didn't suggest that I preach about the iron bowl. But he insisted. He said, yeah, the egg bowl. Just talk about who won, yada, 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 and how it relates to Jesus and stuff. I wish I was as skilled of a preacher as my son thinks I am. Instead, I will preach about something much less precarious, our new liturgical season, the season of Advent. Specifically in this season of Advent, what does it mean to be prepared? According to the Boy Scouts, being prepared means you are always in a state of readiness in mind and body to do your duty. For a professional chef, being prepared means the French phrase mise en place, meaning everything in its place. That your garnish and condiments and chopped vegetables and knives and everything on your station is clean, fresh, and ready to go. If you prepared a Thanksgiving feast this past week, perhaps you prepared for it by making a list, planning when you would shop, asking folks to bring sides or supplies, and breaking down the timing of what would go in the oven when. When I worked in Washington, I would prepare my boss for an important meeting by finding out exactly what questions would be asked and preparing the congressman to answer intelligently and thoroughly. And according to the 20th century humorist Tom Lehrer, being prepared means don't make book if you cannot cover bets, and don't write naughty words on walls if you can't spell. But on this first Sunday of Advent, we hear Jesus say, Be on guard, so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day catch you unexpectedly, like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times. In other words, be prepared. But that raises two logical follow-up questions. What are we preparing for and how do we prepare for it? Obviously, in this season of Advent, we are preparing for the birth of Jesus, the incarnation of God the arrival of the Christ, who is not only the Emmanuel, the God with us, but the Messiah, who will show us the way to eternal life. But being prepared in Advent does not only mean preparing for the birth of Christ. We may be like that hallowed prophet of the asphalt, Ricky Bobby, who likes the Jesus Christmas best. But as today's cheery script, cheery scripture readings remind us we are also preparing for the second coming of Christ. And as, and as we have been reading in the book of Revelation in our Wednesday morning Bible study, 
The second coming is not the dear, tiny, newborn infant Jesus, but a Jesus clothed in a long robe with a gold sash, his head and his hair white as snow, his eyes like a flame of fire, and his voice the sound of many waters. But as our Wednesday morning Bible study friends know, the book of Revelation is not meant to be interpreted literally. And while any imagery of the end times across Scripture may be fantastic and frightening, all we know for certain is that Jesus will return and bring his kingdom into reality. As it says in our reading from Jeremiah tonight, in those days and at that time, God will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. He shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. So then let us consider the second question. How do we prepare? How do we keep this holy season of Advent? For starters, we watch and we keep time with Advent calendars and Advent wreaths, like the wreaths we made at the, at the Advent workshop after the 10 o'clock service this morning. We pause for a moment and put aside the rush to Christmas and abide in the not yet. And we also prepare by praying about and pondering the miraculous reality and the implications of said reality that God loves us so much that he would want to become one of us. Moreover, as we consider what that incarnation means, that also has implications for our relationship with God, our work with God, and our relationships with each other. In a world where God is incarnate, our relationship with God is active and real. In a world where God is incarnate, we respond by loving our neighbor. And when we say, love your neighbor, in a world where God is incarnate, we really mean it. The Jesuit John Cavanaugh once wrote, the theme of Advent is get real. And not only is God revealed to us, but we are really revealed to ourselves. And when we love one another, when we are real with each other, there are no winners and losers, only sisters and brothers. I am reminded of the Persian mystic Rumi, who once wrote, out beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I will meet you there. And finally, in this season of Advent, as we prepare, as we plan uh, for how we will prepare, and as we consider what we are preparing for, most importantly, remember what happens after. What happens after Jesus arrives? A life with Jesus. Remember what the good book says, again, in the book of Revelation. See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. 
for the first things have passed away. While the language of the readings we hear in this first part of Advent every year are weird and scary and strange, what comes after, what we prepare for in Advent, what awaits us as followers of Christ, that, that's pretty awesome. It is a life in the eternal and glorious realm of God. So my friends, in this season of Advent, may your preparations be holy, good, and fruitful. Amen.